I don't give a where I play as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Washington Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode number 15 of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button, the director of scouting for TSN. We'll be along very shortly. My name is Dean Millard and on this show, the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed and we have a three pack of them for you today to chat about Sasha Paschoff uh, owned uh, listed rather by Dave Drinkwalter in the UFHL Sa- uh, Samu Tuomala of Alpine Scouting and Zachary Leheru who is listed by Ruby ISS Scouting and we'll get to where they're playing and what their skill sets are in just a little bit. We're also going to talk about the 2021 draft and the fact that it looks like it's going ahead in July and potential changes to the draft lottery. And we'll wrap things up with a discussion about being patient when it comes to trading uh, in various leagues or in the National Hockey League as well. Uh, Craig joins us courtesy of the UFFS hotline. You can find them right now at uffsports.com, but a brand new killer website is on the way. This is fantasy sports on the blockchain, on the Zillica blockchains, and these aren't just prospects that you're listing or bidding on. They're NFTs uh, that will grow in value. And there's a scouting program in the UFHL, the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. So you can scout the same players that Craig Button is talking about on this very show. So get in the game where you own the game. Check out the information on Twitter at UFH League. All right, let's bring him in now. The man, the myth, the legend, Craig Button. The director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. Well, Craig, uh, so much talk in the last week or so since we chatted about the 2021 draft, when it's going to be held, and you and I have talked about uh, various different possibilities, but it sounds like they're going with the status quo and keeping it the same for a July draft. Um, I I certainly think that's tough on scouts, on teams, and and particularly players. What are your thoughts? Well, I I, I think when, you know, we've seen that, 
the pandemic has, uh, you know, affected, uh, you know, businesses right around the world in very different ways. And, uh, you know, hockey, you know, a lot of, we, we saw the shutdown of leagues and the cancellation of seasons last March. And, you know, when the NHL team started to talk about, okay, what is the impact on, on our business going forward? You know, the investment that is made by NHL teams in the scouting, it's, it's not just the travel and watching the players, it's the combine, it's interviews. And ultimately what you're trying to do is that you want to be able to uh, be at a point where your, your confidence level and who you're drafting is as high as it possibly can be. And, 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 you know, you're always dealing with a group of players you're considering. So that that's what you're trying to evaluate. So obviously when you uh, you don't have the opportunity to watch players as much or over a period of time and, and you don't have access to them for the combine, for interviews and everything that becomes important and with that confidence uh, factor, you know, you, you start to go, okay, it makes it that much more difficult. And so I love the fact that uh, they had the discussion about it. But there's also other parts to this, and, and, and those are the legal ramifications. You know, you know the NHLPA being involved in this, you know, your right to work, labor laws, and everything that you've crafted your CBA under are under, are under laws and labor laws. So, you know, to, to, to have the discussion and to hear what everybody's concerns were and to try to understand what potential solutions uh, were available, I, I think was important. But now what we find out is, is that, okay, because of obstacles that we can't overcome, now there's a, there's a draft. And I think that that's really good now because now all the NHL teams have certainty. You have certainty, you know, with the league starting up uh, across uh, North America, specifically in the Canadian Hockey League. Uh, you, you also have uh, the trade deadline coming up. So that gives teams a real certainty of, of when these draft picks, you know, are going to be used or, you know, but, you know what, what, what's available to you with respect to what I call draft pick currency at the trade deadline. So there's a certainty now that everybody can proceed forward. And, and that certainly also extends to players. So you're, everybody is under the same uh, uh, parameters. The players now have, you go and show what you're capable of. Teams are gonna have to assess based on what's available to them and, and you're gonna make selections. And I, I think with that certainty that that's really, really positive. Do you think that, you know, we, we all sometimes look back on drafts, you know, five, 10 years later and say, oh, how did this guy end up dropping here? Or, you know, how did this guy go so early and, and whatnot? But do you think this draft is going to produce a whole lot more of those? Wow, this guy went really late just because there's less viewings, which equals less information, which gives, you know, teams, uh, I guess, less of a bigger picture on a player. Do you think that's the case that maybe almost an asterisk on this draft because uh, there's been such less viewings of these players than there normally would? Well, there should never be an asterisk on any drafting. I mean, you, you, your, your job is, is to go out and select players that you think can uh, uh, contribute at the NHL level and ultimately contribute to your team's uh, success. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's what, and, and you, it's a draft, it's hiring people. Everything you're trying to do is just try to get quality people. And in this case, quality players, that can help you be successful on the ice. So yeah, there's going to be an absence of, uh, of, 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 of information that you could have got, but, but that information isn't available to anybody else. The mm. information, you know, the players didn't play. So like, it's not like one team has it. So everybody is under the same, 
like I said, the same parameters and, and the same landscape. So, you know, but ultimately we're going to look back in five years time and we're going to say, well, geez, that was a good pick and that was a good pick. Well, guess what? You know what? We look back now and go, geez, how did they get that player in the third round? How did they get that player in the second round? And why did they draft that guy in the first round, right? It's going to be no different this year. So there's no asterisks on it and, and there shouldn't be. Uh, do the challenges become uh, a little bit greater with respect to comfort level and confidence level when you're selecting players? Yeah, it does. But this is what you got to deal with. And now that everybody has the certainty, and that's, that's really important. Now you try to find different ways to give yourself as much confidence in the players you're looking to select as you possibly can get. So zero, anybody wants to use the asterisk uh, argument or fall back on excuses, Tell me now, because I'll get somebody different to do the job. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love <laughs> it. Um, okay, what about changes, the, the proposed changes to the draft lottery? Um, you know, and you, you, you and I have talked about this, and I know you've talked about this as well on TSN. Do you think the draft lottery system is broken and needs to be fixed? Uh, you know, like, I think it's always important to, to look at uh, any system that's in play and, and try to consider, okay, what do we like about it? What are our concerns about it? How can we make it better? In the case of the draft lottery, how do we make it more equitable, right? And I, I think that that's, you always want to be examining uh, what you're, you know, what you have in place. And, and, and that's rules, of, like for playing, that's it's draft lottery rules, uh, everything that goes with the operation of your business. So, so I think those are really important to always examine. Uh, you know, why, why did we get to a point in the draft lottery? It used to be you could only move up four spots, right? And... Uh, you know, that's all you could do. And the odds were such that, and then they changed it. So why did they change it? Dean? They changed it because there was this specter, you know, dark, the specter looming over the, the NHL, the teams were tanking and purposely trying to finish last. And that is never a good look for a professional sports league. Number two is that when you're introducing betting, and, and, you know, betting has become significant across uh, sports uh, around the world and certainly in North America and the NHL. Well, now the specter of teams throwing games, not trying to win in a professional sport where you have big time money in TV, asking for big time money from, from uh, you know, corporate sponsors, you know, season ticket prices, game, individual game ticket prices, you know, oh, they're not trying to win. That, that, that's a bad luck. And now you add in betting, terrible luck, and, and, and it just can't work. So, so that was a big reason why, uh, you know, they changed the lottery system back then. And, you know, so th they said, if that's how you want to act, well, then that's how you're going to be. So now we move on to where we're at now. And we've talked about this, Dean. And, 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 you know, I keep hearing this, well, you know, people, you know, didn't really like the fact that the Detroit Red Wings fell from one to four, you know, it was an honest rebuild and everything. Okay. So I, I get all that. Right. But at the end of the day, why didn't we hear the same arguments in 2017 when the Colorado Avalanche fell from one to four? Up until that point in time, Dean, they had the worst record post-2004-2005 lockout of anybody in the, in the National Hockey League. So why weren't the same people complaining then? 
and, and I, I understand that, uh, you know, there's, there's progression and it starts to become, oh, it's unsavory or whatnot. So you, you look at changing it, you're trying to make it a little bit more equitable, you know, the different ideas that have been bandied about, you know, I, I look at it and say, but here's, so I, I call this more of a tweak and, and I have no problem with the tweak. But the other thing that I will say, too, is, is that, you know, in, in, in a league with 32 teams, somebody's going to finish first, somebody's going to finish 32nd. There's just no other way to do it. And there's not any indication that if you pick four or you pick two or you pick eight, yeah, when Connor McDavid is in a draft or Sidney Crosby's in a draft, but, you know, like they're going first. Mary Lemieux, they're going first. We all know that, and it's, it's a great luxury. But there's lots of other good players available <laughs> at, at different spots. And like, and, and I use, I use Colorado. I mean, so there was a lot of, there was a lot of disappointment when they fell down to fourth. Well, they ended up with Kale McCarr. Okay. If, if, if you're ending up with Kale McCarr, you can't tell me that that's a terrible situation for you to have. And I think that, Again, the tweaking and trying to make it as equitable as possible is always a good thing. But I also think we got to keep it in perspective. And, you know, one thing that I've learned over the years is that when people find themselves in a particular situation in the league, is that that's when they pay more attention to, uh, you know, how that, how, how the rules or the situation may be applicable to them. When they're, And that's why 2017, I, I would imagine that there's, more people today uh, in the league that are looking and going, oh, well, we don't want to move out of the top three because, or the top spot, because this becomes the next opportunity for us to rebuild and we want that chance and everything that goes with it. So I, I, I get it. And, you know, the league has to deal with it. And Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, they listen to the managers and they have good debate on it and they have really good, uh, uh, discussions on, on what they can do going forward, but but I see this really as 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 a tweak. And uh, the one thing we can learn, and I think teams better be uh, uh, aware of this. If you want to start getting back into the uh, trying to tank uh, uh, discussion, and you want to start trying to do that overtly, and 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 you think that's a good, the league will quickly go back and say, okay, everybody's available for the lottery that's out of the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So. I, again, all in all, I see it as a, as, as, as a, as a good modification and I don't, we can argue whether I think it's necessary or not, but I, I, all in all, looking at it, I think it's fine. I don't, I don't remember, uh, Steve Eisenman or, or Joe Sackett complaining that much when their teams fell and in, in Detroit, you know, they, they, they suffered a lot, but I don't remember them. And, and that speaks to me that they're looking out for the betterment of the league rather than the betterment of the avalanche and the Red Wings. Dean, you just nailed it. I, I have not, and, 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 you know, one of my, one of my, I don't know if it's a beef, but one of my things is I really believe that when it comes to rules and it comes to different situations in the league, that it shouldn't just be the general managers that are involved in it. Uh, the current general managers. I, I think there should be people that uh, have a, have, uh, have experience with the league in different roles uh, in different areas and, and people that don't have 
an immediate vested interest in the immediate outcomes of the league when they're talking about potential rules. I think it clouds, it, it, it creates the potential for the clouding of, of how you look at things to make it for the betterment of the league. And so I, I want current general managers as part of it, don't get me wrong, but I also think that like, you know, having other voices that see the evolution of the game and the and the progression of the game and consider different things that that keep the whole game in 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 view and okay think about this and think about that I, I think that would be really significant for the NHL to explore in terms of having more of those voices so that so that ultimately it's not just narrowed down to the current general manager I'm not, they're not all like that the, the, mm. but but I also understand why you know you're thinking about Oh my lord! Like this could be a, a factor uh, with uh, with our team, and you know this could impact us right away. I'll share a story with you about that. Daryl Sutter had, uh, you know, come to Calgary when I was the manager there as our as our coach, and we were playing a game in uh, Arizona, uh, in Phoenix at that time, and we got to overtime, and the uh, uh, Phoenix scored the goal. Our goaltender ended up all of his whole body was in the net. His whole body was in the net. You know where the puck was, Dean? It was underneath him. So it's pretty logical. No, no, it's not pretty logical. It's completely logical to understand if the puck is underneath him and he's entirely in the net, that the puck crossed the goal line, right? Yes. <laughs> and they ruled it a goal. They ruled it a goal. And uh, the supervisor came down after the game. We're sitting there. And it, I said, no kidding, it was in the net. Like, we know, no problem. Daryl was great on it, right? I went to a general manager's meeting shortly thereafter. It was just around the time of the of the spring general manager's meeting. And it was very, like, that, that's when the rule came in. They put in a rule that unless you can show the complete puck over the goal line, a still photo of it, it you can't count a goal. And I remember saying, and I got, I got asked by other, how could you just accept that? I said, the puck was in the net. Like, seriously, like, are you kidding me here? But th th that's an example of like, oh, this can impact me. And if you can't show me the puck was in the net, clearly it didn't go into the net. Oh, okay. So if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there, did it make a sound? Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. I think I used that same line at that time. Bob Clark was incredulous in terms of trying to understand how a goal that we all know is a goal that now we want to try to find a way not to call it a goal because we don't have a picture of the puck over the net, but we know it's in the net. He was, a, he was amazing. He was just incredible. But th th that's where you get it. Like, that's, where the, that's where the current rule now is. The complete puck has to be shown over the goal line. Okay? Yeah. Don't worry about logic at all or anything like that. Uh, yeah, so, anyway. <laughs> all right, let's get to the first player that we're talking about today, and it's uh, Sasha Paschoff, uh, left winger uh, with the U.S. National Development Team in the USHL, and uh, the scouting agency that listed him in the UFHL is headed up by Dave Drinkwalter, and he has an affiliation with the Ice Vikings. He paid $55 for this NFT, and that could turn into a pretty penny down the road, depending on where Sasha goes. And what I've read about Sasha Craig as one of the best passers in the draft. What are your thoughts on that? Well, he's he he's not just a really good passer. He he's he's a really patient player. You know, players that are able to, you know, let a play develop and, and, and then understand what their various options are. Think of a quarterback sitting in the pocket and you know you have all your receivers going out to run different uh, uh, pass routes 
And now, you know, we, we hear it all the time, your progression. The quarterback's looking for his first option, then the progression down. I, I, I think that that's how I would describe Sasha, Sasha's ability to pass the puck. It's, it's not just that he can take the puck off his blade of his stick and make a nice pass to a teammate. He, he, he understands, you know, that plays are developing in different ways. And he's patient when he has that puck. And then he, he, he's, he's really good at trying to deliver the puck into in, the place that has the best uh, opportunity to, to take advantage of it. So, you know, it's vision, it's hockey sense, it's poise. And, and obviously, you've got to be able to pass the puck, just like a quarterback has to be able to throw the football accurately. But, but that's exactly where Sasha excels. And if you're playing with Sasha, you, you have to be – uh, really aware that you may you may be like like in football you may be running your route you don't look at the quarterback but the quarterback's watching you and he's watching the coverages and that's what Sash is so so adept at being able to do. Yeah, one of those guys that they always say you have to you have to expect to pass at any time from from this type of player. Well, yeah, and again when I, you know we use football like you, you, the quarterback can't throw the pass if he hasn't made his cut yet or he's not or he doesn't know it or just going to hit the guy in the back so the my point is is that you know when Sasha has the puck on his stick right you're run, you're doing what you need to do to get open right mm -hmm. so bottom line is he might not pass it to you he might pass it to somebody else but never ever assume that the puck is not going to come to you that's what yeah. I would say. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, what about the the rest of his game? Is there is there one aspect you'd really like to see him uh, work on? Not that it's maybe a detriment to his game, but every player can can work on things. Is there is there one area as he gets keep going up the next level that uh, that he really needs to work on more than others? Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, we we talk about seventeen and eighteen year old players, and and, and their their timeline for for maturity is. is is longer. I mean, they're going to be better at 19 than they are at 18. They're going to be better at 21. And so when I watch Sasha play, it's not so much about any of the, the maturation or anything like, you know, the, I, I see no, I see no inherent flaws in his game. And, you know, I think that at, at, like any player, the more, the more you can add to your game, and the more you can do to threaten an opponent that, that you know, I, I don't use this in a negative uh, tone, but you don't want to be a one trick pony. You mm. want to be somebody that, that you have to be looked at as a player that can, oh boy, he can beat me with his quickness. He can beat me with a shot. He can beat me with a pass, you know, and I think that Sasha, if there's one thing that, you, you know, and like a lot of young players that are good with the puck, and because they, they're able to score in and around the net at, 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 uh, lower, at lower levels, as you move to the National Hockey League, it's harder to score in and around the net. It's really hard to score. So working on developing a, a mentality of I'm going to use my shot, the shot will develop over time as you get stronger and you, the velocity and everything will go with it. But the mentality of saying, I'm not just going to be a passer. I, I'm not going to just say I'm going to shoot if the pass isn't there. It's about presenting yourself as somebody that can shoot or pass, which creates doubt in, your, in the opponent and the defender. I think that's an area that Sasha can really develop. And if I was working with him, that's something that I would be telling him constantly is, you know, don't use your shot if the pass isn't there. Use your shot and your pass as an equal threat. So now they don't know what you're going to do. 
And then when you can create uncertainty uh, in the opponent's mind about what you're going to do, you're creating advantages for yourself. Ah, very, very uh, well put. All right, let's move on now to uh, Sami Tuomala uh, forward uh, with Carpat in Finland in the J20 League. Uh, he was listed by Alpine Scouting, which has an affiliation with Red Army, and they paid just $35 for this NFT. So if he does end up going in the first round, that could be a really good payout. And what I read on this guy is he loves to shoot the puck, like shoot the puck a lot. What is his shot selection like and what is his finish like? Well, okay, so I'll, I'll answer that first, and then I'll, I'll talk about how he gets into those spots. But, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a determined and hungry goal scorer. You, you know, like, you know, I was talking about Sasha Pasajoff, right? Like, you know, like, I mean, Samu, Samu wants to shoot, and, and he, wants to, he wants to take that puck and get into shooting areas with it, and he's not hesitant to shoot, and you, you love that about him. And, you know, so that's a, that's a really important, uh, you know, element of his game, and it, and you know, every player has different calling cards or different attributes that they, uh, you know, that they use to you know be successful and to be threatening. And certainly, he he he, he has that quality, and he he's looking to 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 get into those areas where where the shots are are dangerous. So you you ask about shot selection, it's also about spot selection. He's, mm. he, he's not lofting pucks from outside. He's trying to get into that uh, that slot area, that uh, that area of the ice where you know it's it's harder to 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 be uh, to get in there. It's defended more fiercely, but it's also the places where you get rewarded to a greater extent. And he 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 wants to be in those spots. Dean, he's a really good skater, and he demands the puck. And you know what. I love players like this that, you know, they're going up the ice, they're open, they want the puck. Why do they want the puck? Because ultimately, they want to get that puck and take it into the heart of the matter. They want to score. They want to make a difference. They want to attack. And he's got that type of a mentality. The other thing that he does really well is that he, he moves the puck and then he gets back to open ice. So, you know, he, he's a player that, you know, he can be coming out of, the, of his own zone and, and defensively and he can make a pass quickly into the middle but then he's going and he's skating to get open again and he wants that puck again so the skating combined with the with the with the attack mentality with a, with, with a real desire to shoot and to score they all blend together into a player that, that that I think is a winger a skating scoring winger could be could be a real could be a really good player at the National Hockey League level in a, in a few years time is there anybody particular that uh, he reminds you of when you watch or, you know, maybe a blend of a few players? Yeah, you know, again, like, like I'm at the point, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be straightforward here with you. I'm at the point now where I'm trying to, I always like to use comparables and I think comparables are always, you know, in terms of style and who, who a player plays like and what he you know, what he could do and everything. So, you know, I'm into that ref refinement stage now. But if there was a player, like, I, I would call, he's like, Tyler Toffoli isn't as good a skater as uh, as Samu. But Tyler, 
wants to get that puck and he wants to shoot. He's got a, he's got a shoot at uh, mentality. He wants to, he knows where he's got to get to to get those shots off. And you know Tyler's been a very successful player in the National Hockey League. I, uh, like I said, I don't think he skates as well as Samu. But but that type of mentality, that type of uh, ability to to get himself open, and I, I think for Samu with the skating, he can open up some opportunities. And, and not that Tyler Toffoli is not, not a good skater, but but I really. That that would be the player right now, and I'm always looking to try to refine it. But th- that would be the type of player that I would say Samu, uh, you know, somewhat resembles. Mm-hmm. Well, scoring a lot of goals, especially, works there. Yeah. Well, the the UFFS hotline is how Craig joins us every week. He joins us uh, courtesy of Ultimate Franchise uh, Fantasy Sports, and scouting is a huge part of the platform and the lifeblood of franchises in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. Uh, every player uh, goes through a scouting agency. So, if you want to get in the game and scout the same players and watch the same players that Craig is doing, Get in the game where you own the game and start putting your scouting talent to good use. Become an independent scout or form a partnership with an existing franchise. Reach out for more information on Twitter at UFH League and get in the game where you own the game. And uh, Craig, of course, uh, you're a a huge part of high-level scouting and uh, working with Trish, uh, but we also reach out to you for advice because uh, you are uh, not only uh, a terrific scout, but a former GM in the NHL. And one of the things that we talked about last week was being patient in trades. And and as a GM in the situation where we are, where we're rebuilding and other teams might want our assets, how important is it for for teams in our situation and, 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 you know, from your past experience to be patient on that. If they want a player, be patient and wait for that right offer. Well, I, patience is is key, right? And you know, the, the other thing that I would that I would say prior to being patient is is a real strong, thorough knowledge of what you have. So, you know, when you're when you're evaluating when you have players in your system, and you know, there's different players with different styles and and different levels of of capability and different uh, degrees of potential. So if you can really uh, assess that accurately and honestly, and and also the timeline when those players are going to develop, then that gives you an assuredness of like, okay, this is exactly what we have. And like, I mean, obviously when you're working with your own players, you, you know them better than you know somebody else's players. But if you don't know your own players as best as you can, then you, you know, you start to question yourself and you start to think to yourself, okay, like, oh, they're asking me for, am I missing something? Or, oh boy, do I have something here? Whereas if, if you, you always want to try to get reassurances, but if you've done the evaluation part, honestly, and then you go, nope, you know what? That's not good enough for me. So it's easier to be patient. And in the same breath, if you sit down and see somebody is, you know, giving you more than, than you expected because your evaluations are, are so strong, well, then that's a time to act. And, you know, it's like the stock market, Dean. You know, everybody tells you all the time, you cannot time the stock market. You know, evaluate what you want to do, where you want to invest your money, right? But it, the, the, when you're investing your money, is it the key point? It's the research you've done that allows you 
to say, I'm going to invest my money here now. You know, and, you know, the, the market's going down and people want to sell or the market's going up and people want to buy, right? You know, it's no different. It's no different in, 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 in sports and with trades. So do the work. Know what the value of, of, of your group of players is and what their timelines are. And then you're going to be able to not just work with confidence. You're going to be able to work the process in, in, in a patient, informed manner that allows you to maximize everything you're trying to do. Well, well said. All right, uh, the final player we're talking about right now is uh, Zachary Leharu, a uh, center with Halifax in the QMJHL. And high-level scouting was in on the bidding for this player at, uh, at your recommendation. We didn't get him, uh, unfortunately, or I say Trish didn't uh, get him, but uh, I say we because we are the power couple in the UFHL, I think. But anyway, this particular NFT was purchased uh, by Ruby ISS Scouting, and they have an affiliation with Elite Assassins. $45 for this NFT on the Zillica blockchain and would you consider him a, a true power forward? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, I, it's one of the definitions I've tried to, uh, you know, consider, you know, what is a power forward in today's game, right? Like, you know, we see Tommy Wilson, we see Josh Anderson. And so, you know, those are two guys that really come to mind with respect to power. I don't think Zachary is that type of player. So, but does that mean he's not a power forward? I don't know. He he has a game like that I would call a cross between Matthew Kachuk and Brad Marchand. <laughs> no. <laughs> like no so I don't know if Brad's a a power forward. I I, I think Matthew is has got power to his game and really but but I think Zachary's got that kind of uh mix. He's got he's got the mix of like Brad Marchand where you know he's he's skilled and he's good and he knows he's good and he can also get under your skin and he can get under opponent's skin and and because it, it's not just because of his skill and his confidence it's because he, he he plays the game with an approach that says stop me if you can try to deny me because i because i'm not going to let myself be denied it doesn't mean i'm always going to have success but it's going to be a real challenge for you to stop me and with matthew kachuk you know his ability to to, to use that body to carve out space. I mean, not, not that Brad Marchand doesn't, but, but Matthew and Brad do it in different ways. And I, I think the way Matthew, you know, turns his body to, to, to kind of bump a, a, an opponent out of the way or to give him that space is Zachary has some of those same similar type of elements to his game. And, you know, he's a competitor, he's smart, he's skilled and, you know, I like I, I think Zachary Laharu is a, is the type of player that you're going to hear in the draft, and and it's funny how it goes. You'll hear about, well, I'm not so sure about his skating stride, or I'm not so sure how great his power is. I'm not so sure how big he is. You know, Brady Kachuk, he went fourth overall. All I kept, oh, I don't know how he'll score. Matthew Kachuk, I don't know about his skating. Just watch the game. They're good hockey players. Zachary Leharu, if you want to over-evaluate him and you want to talk about some things that he isn't, it, you know what, this isn't, a, this isn't some kind of uh, exercise where artistic merit, artistic merit has a big play in things. It's about what do you do, what do you bring, and how do you get it into the game? Check mark, check mark, check mark for Zachary Laharu. I don't care about his stride. I don't care if he's the biggest guy. I don't care any about that stuff. I want him on my team. 
Yeah, and I've seen ranges from you know nearly in the top ten to uh, in the back of the the draft. So maybe he's kind of somewhere in the middle. But I do know that he started his QMJHL career as a sixty year old when he was in Moncton with an eleven game point streak, and he played on a really deep team there with talented guys. Do you think that, uh, or how much do you think that benefited him? That you know he was the third overall pick in the Q draft. He didn't have to come in and be the guy. He could just learn from everybody else. How much do you think that helped him? in Moncton well well well, it helps in the sense that uh you know you're not the only uh focus for opponents you know you got you you know Jacob Pelletsy was there Jordan Spence was there I mean that was a really good team in in, in Moncton and certainly a team that was in my view uh capable of competing for the Memorial Cup but you know we we, you know the season got canceled and, and that opportunity uh vanished for Moncton but you know, when you come in and you're surrounded by good players and you're a good player and, and certainly Zach, Zachary is, is, is exactly that. But now opponents can't just key on you and, and, and it allows you, uh, you know, a, a, an opportunity to do two things. To play your game to the best of your abilities. And when you're a 16-year-old, you're going to have these moments of, of, of what I, are natural growing uh, pains and and where you're not as where you're not producing as much or you know opponents are saying hey listen we got to make sure you're adjusting so now to not have that 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 spotlight on you that you know you're the you're one of only a few players and then if you're not scoring now you feel more pressure i think it just gets a player at that age into a comfort zone where they, they can play to the best of their abilities on any given night and with 16 year old players some nights you're going to be better than others just because you're you're managing so many new things playing against older players so going into Moncton and my friend Richie Tebow who uh, I worked with he worked with us when I was in Calgary I mean he 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 runs that team now in Moncton and he he he's terrific and I think that uh, you know he's he he understands how important it is for for young players to to not only come in and and have a sense that they are going to be allowed to contribute but it's not going to be uh, put on them to do more than they're capable of. All right. Well, the uh, junior leagues are getting back in full swing, at least out west. So uh, the uh, the scouting rush will be on. <laughs> uh, now that the leagues are starting up, Craig, you guys will be busy as we head towards what looks like a, a July draft. Thanks so much once again, and uh, good luck. We'll talk next week. Thank you, Dean. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win it. UFFS, you own the game. Always fun to discuss the future of the game with Mr. Uh, Craig Button. We're going to have Craig's counsel very shortly. That's where uh, we take questions from you about scouting. You know, maybe you want to know what to watch for, what not to watch for. Craig can certainly help you out in that. And also story time. He's got loads and loads of stories. So if you're interested in submitting a question, we're going to do that show very shortly. And then we'll try to do one at the end of the year as well. Email me trackingthedraft at gmail.com and we can add it to the questions that have 
already come in. Uh, this show, of course, is part of the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, you were watching it on UFSN. If you have a podcast of the fantasy sports variety, reach out to us on Twitter at UFS Network, and we can discuss about you joining the show. If you like tracking the draft with Craig Button and myself, please let us know. Uh, wherever you're listening, uh, subscribe, leave us a review. If you're on YouTube, uh, leave a comment in the section below uh, and click, click that subscribe button and the bell and you'll be notified every time we put out a, a production and a good way for you to keep up on the future of hockey. That is going to wrap things up for us on this episode. If you want to get in touch with us, as an advertiser, please email me, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. For Craig Button, I'm Dean Millard. Thank you so much for listening to this show where the stars of tomorrow are discovered. Have yourselves a great week in hockey.